bitch is bad and bullshit. One of the things, and this just goes to Alberta, I always talk about how um, people in Ottawa, um, you know, hate joy. Mm-hmm. Because they do. They hate joy. They're suspicious of it. They don't get it. Whatever. I'm like, sorry for you. But literally, I will open the door to my parents' front home in Calgary, in a big city like Calgary. And nary a person goes by who does not say hello. Good morning. Mm-hmm. All the fucking time. Yep. I could be in the grocery store. I could be like at like Safeway or whatever. Right. So I'm at Safeway or Sobeys or whatever. And I remember being there and people just start talking to you. Oh. These these peaches don't look ripe. You know what I mean? It is that grassroots, personable type of, of beha- like that is how Alberta works. Yep, and it is. It is. You wide. nailed it. I yeah. didn't know how to, like, how to think, but you nailed it. You nailed it because that that connects that experience that I always have. I come to Ottawa. I literally said good morning to somebody. They looked at me and they sped up. Like, seriously, it happens all the time. People are so, when you're like, like, people are so weird. Like, they're so fucking weird here. It's wild. Anyway, um, okay, so uh, there was, um, there's a piece that I, oh, here's the part. Did we, fr- I feel like Jason Kenny like, gave Justin Trudeau the election. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Can we talk about that? Because that hasn't even been like, I, I remember watching this unfold and I said, well, Trudeau should be calling Kenny, not O'Toole. Like, you know what I mean? It was, I think it was like in Alberta, a hundred percent. Like we, there were MPs who lost here. Like my, um, I don't know why I slammed my chest that hard. Um, my conservative. <laughs> in my riding who lost James Cumming who I really really like and he's a wonderful human being um he lost and Randy Bosna won also wonderful because he helped me get my passport thanks Randy if you're listening um 100% James lost because of Kenny and because of some of the response to COVID because I live in a very urban like I live in the downtown core of Edmonton so the fact that a conservative MP won here to begin with was quite impressive but mm it more difficult after everything with COVID uh, for him to be able to win again. So I do think in a lot of ways, Jason Kenney contributed to that, but let us not take away from the spectacular way in which Aaron O'Toole just could not pick a lane ever, like at all ever, because what really, which does him- not work well in any conservative, anything. Or anything. What lost Aaron O'Toole, one of the things I fundamentally believe that lost Aaron O'Toole the election was the gun thing. Yep. If he had just stuck to his quote-unquote guns on <laughs> that issue, yep. either way, I mean, I personally would have preferred his initial tilt, but if he had just stuck to one thing and he couldn't, mm-hmm. he kept changing his mind, kept going around and around and around, 
And that was the issue. Like, at least with Harper, you knew what you were getting. And Harper yeah. was con- Aaron was just like, I believe this thing this week. Oh, that's not popular. Never mind. I don't believe that. I never did. What are you talking about? He wasn't not- even convincing. No. And I'm sorry, but the way that he approached guns in 2021 is not going to be something that's going to get you votes. It's not going to work in 2022. Patrick Brown tweeting about his support of guns, like especially the timing, which was very unfortunate for him. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it is not 2004 anymore where people were able to, where the conservative party was able to mobilize people around the long gun registry. Right. In 2022, people believe, I would, I would hope, and I think that the polling bears this out, you register your car, you register all these other things. You register like, births, for God's sake. A cat is registered. Why the fuck can't you register a goddamn gun? Why is that so difficult for you? And I think that the opinions on those things have changed, mm-hmm. and O'Toole was not able to, to, to buy into that, and Kenny by that point was clearly very unpopular outside. He was toxic. Mm-hmm. Toxic in a lot of ways, but that's also because a lot of the things that Kenny would advocate were Harper era policies that just don't work anymore. And, mm-hmm. and what got lost in that conversation was that Trudeau sucks too. So, I mean, I think, yeah, we're just, what sucks the least. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's something to be said about the devil, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like, with Trudeau, it was a devil, you know, vote. Yep. Both People were times. like, no, no, no. First of all, nobody gave him anything more, which you know what? I was very proud of Canada after this, after the after the last election, because Canada literally said to Trudeau, no, you sit down, you eat your food and you do your job. Yep. Don't ask for nothing. Yep. I was like, look at us go. Well, I was I'm- very proud of Canada. Like. <laughs> I mean, the last two elections that he has won a minority government, and I think that you have seen that Alberta, Albert, Canadian, well, Albertans obviously, but Canadians as well are not like hyper enthusiastic about him anymore. Mm-mm. They just like him better than their options. Yeah. And we know him enough to know what that either he's go- like, we know him enough to know when the performance is happening. Right. I, I'm really impressed at how that whole performative narrative, I thought, I thought we were one of the first, but like, Oh, cause we started talking about how performative and then all of a sudden, like people latched onto this, like, and like media latched onto, and I was just like, Oh, well, look at that. Well, and now we, we just can see about it. You know, now we can see when the performance is happening most you of the time. Went, you remember when he went to that, I believe it was a first station in Ontario to, no, sorry, NBC to apologize for something. And he, wore, he rode in on a, like a black horse. Yeah. I know. Like, just, just, I mean, you can imagine that he was like, can I unbutton my shirt like three buttons? Or <laughs> It's like when he did that thing, I think it was like 2016, 2017, where like anytime he would get in trouble, he would go for like a shirtless jog. And yes. Like, oh, look at Trudeau. Yeah. Well, he's no longer global politics favorite boyfriend. So no. 
I know this is hard for him. Yeah. I I seriously think it is. I think that, but he's just has not. And this is the conversations you always try to have with liberals and they just, they won't listen because the response is always like, well, Stephen Harper. And I'm like, Stephen Harper hasn't been prime minister for almost 10 years. You should probably move on. Yeah. He has not accomplished the things that he promised he would do. Like, yes, yes. Childcare. Yes. That is good. That was Christopher Freeland. Yes. Thumbs up for childcare though. But yeah. Water on but that was server. all Freeland. Yeah, but I mean, it is within the context of his government. Well, okay, fair, fair, fair. It's his government. He allowed it to happen, but I'm yeah. not giving him anything more than that. But clean drinking water, proportional representation, all these other things that he promised us, you know, oh, we're going to have a feminist approach to, to foreign policy. Really, what's feminist about giving arms to Saudi Arabia to bomb the shit out of women and children in Yemen? I'm sorry, like you're still doing that. So I'm really unclear on on a lot of these things, but we don't call them out because so many people are like, well, what's the option? I don't know, having him do something better? Like, how about making him do his job? That'd be nice. Like it's, and no offense to Jagmeet Singh, but it is moments like this that I very much miss Jack Layton because I feel like- There's no offense. Jagmeet Singh does not do that job. Yeah, no, he's where where is the tangible like they're just giving the left to Trudeau when he's done nothing to earn it. I I'm so I'm so with you. I'm so with you on this. See, this is why I like talking to you. Yeah. And so, okay, so now we're here in Kennyland. And how did this latest thing happen? Like, how did this happen? Like what led up to his, like, what are the immediate, because we talked about the trends, we talked about that. What is the immediate shit that happened? So, I mean, as I'm sure everybody listening to this knows, Kenny lost, well, he actually technically won the leadership with 51.4% of the vote. Uh, he said 51, 50 plus one was enough. I guess that wasn't the case. He resigned uh, after hearing that, then like didn't really because he's still premier and will be for some time. Um, he's gonna ride this out. Oh yeah, basically what had I don't think a- he should if he wants no. a comeback, but he's gonna ride this out because his ego can't take it. Yeah, so now we're going into an interim, uh, sorry, into a leadership, uh, which will no one other than Brian Jean and Daniel Smith have uh, declared, but that will change likely within the next week. Um, so are we in a leadership Alberta race for the UCP leadership? So that's like official. So when are they going to pick a new leader? They haven't picked the date, but, um, they, the Alberta legislature, uh, stood yesterday. Uh, so they're on spring summer break, uh, well break, but they're still working, but basically they're on summer break. They come back October 31st of all days. Hmm. Um, I would assume that likely they will look to have a leader in place by the end of September, beginning of October, mm-hmm. so that uh, they will have someone who can come in when they when they come back to session in October. Um, that would be my guess. That gives, I like that I was going to use my hands, but I guess I can still do that because no one can actually tell, June, July, August, September. So that gives you like four and a half months-ish. Mm-hmm. You should vote. 
obviously Brian Jean has already been, Brian Jean was running from before he got reelected. Yeah. Brian Jean always been running. <laughs> yeah. Like, so Brian Jean is like the thirstiest man um, in Alberta legislature. Like, so about, like, I think it's two years ago now uh, when like things were, because things, br- Jason Kennedy's never had a really easy ride on social media. Shocking, I know. And <laughs> like, posting things like, one day till I make a really big announcement and everyone's like, Oh, what are you going to do? Brian Jean? What is this about? And at the time people thought maybe he's going to become leader of the Alberta party, which is a not particularly relevant centrist party in Alberta, but like it actually was that his wife was having a kid, mm. but he, he was always engaging in Alberta politics in some way. And then finally, uh, because the MLA for the Lacrobesh, uh, Fort Murray area actually ran federally, that seat opened up. So Brian came back, so which is why he's back at the, le- at the in the legislature building. And then Danielle Smith is also running. So it's like 20, 2006 all over again. Does she have a writing? Is she? She is, I cannot remember off the top of my head where she is running. Uh, it's rural community. Uh, she's, but she's running, she's actually challenging the nomination of a sitting MLA, which is also not particularly a good idea, in my opinion. Yeah, it's not. So where, so what do you see, um, what does the UCP have to do? Do they have to like, do they have to split again? So polling came out today actually that shows that with Kenny gone they are they have uh do they have a party they've closed the gap between them and the NDP by almost half wow so they were a little over 12 percent uh trailing the NDP by a little over 12 percent and now it's closer to six wow so Kenny being gone is actually bad for Rachel Notley and the NDP Wow. It remains to be seen who fills that that space and what that looks like. So if it is, I mean, I don't believe that this will happen because she's gone cuckoo bananas. But if it is like Miss, like, I believe Ivermectin is the best way to address COVID, Danielle Smith, Mm. Nolly will win because Danielle Smith is a lunatic. Mm -hmm. But if it's, if it's Brian Jean, yeah, the poll today said 32% of people would vote for him. So maybe he would do okay. And then there's there's other and don't know, which actually fits to like 60% of people. So it really depends. There's talk of Rajan Swani, who is the Minister of Transportation, who's a fairly moderate conservative running for the leadership. To be honest, to having a woman of color lead the Conservative Party in Alberta would be absolutely huge. It would, it would be a game changer. A game changer would be nice to see plus she's like she's not Leslie Lewis she's normal mm-hmm. uh, that would be really great uh there's been other people who've talked about running who are more kind of on the conservative lens of things but yeah Lord Leela here who's another moderate conservative um from yeah. a rural community. so you know I would love to see this this race actually be competitive and I would like to see it be a range of people from different perspectives within the party. Like so that the party can hammer shit out. Yeah. I don't and have real debates. 
leadership, which we all know is going to be Pierre Polyev. Like anyone who actually doesn't think Pierre Polyev is going to win is on some drugs I would like. Okay. So what do you think about that? Next time. No, I mean, no, 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 no. We're going to save you for next time because I want you to come back because I have truly enjoyed this. And your knowledge is like, I always knew you had a great grasp and a great knowledge base. And you like, you've blown me out of the water, really. (laughs) So I see my vibes are never wrong. I'm just saying I felt this with you. Yes. And I mean, I'm, I'm also, I'm, I'm blessed because, you know, uh, in terms of, of this, and this is the thing that I also want people to understand is that so much of the conversations that I see around what conservatism is and what it means is negative um, for a variety of different reasons, whether it is your perspective on, on some of Kenny's policies or Ford's policies or Polyev or whatever it is, or Candace Bergen and her hat, like whatever it is. <laughs> I, I can understand where, where a lot of that comes from and why. And, and it, the populist movement within the conservative party, in my personal opinion, is not helpful, but I grew up, you know, my grandfather was the greatest man I've ever known in my whole life. And he was a good moral, good man who wanted to do good things in this world. And that is what drove him to become involved in politics and people like him, Joe Clark, obviously who I'm obsessed with, who anybody who follows me on Twitter obviously knows. Yeah, you are. (laughs) But like people like that, like, Scott Atchison, who I actually really, really like as a human being. I think you, that there is, yep. there are who is running for the conservative leadership right now. There are a lot of good people in this, in the conservative party and conservative politics does not necessarily mean that you are, you know, around, you know, that you're going to start talking about the world economic forum. Like it's giving you monkey pox. Like what? this is not, and I, I and I think that it is unhelpful to the dialogue that we have so many times. And this is one of the reasons I'm so blessed for you in my life and our friendship and, and everything about you is that I, I appreciate people who can have these kind of conversations without it becoming like immediately like, well, clearly if you have been this way or voted this way, then something is bad or wrong with you. And I, because that immediately stops that conversation. And I think it, it forgets there are a lot of good people Oh God, I was about to say good people on both sides. Like I'm Trump, No, I, I lived in, let me tell you why I came to that. I lived in Texas for about three years, right? And I have seen the most conservative people open their homes when the liberal, progressive, et cetera, people shut their doors, okay, to people in need. I've seen this with my own two eyes. So while my politics are what they are, um, I always say I am here if you want to have that conversation in good faith. We're not going to agree on anything, everything. That's fine. I could still have a beer with you. We could still hang. We could still have barbecue. And we can find common ground. Right. But there is a rising threat that is real. And I don't think that we really have the um, luxury to say, no, no, no you can't be you can't sit at our table who believes that that rising threat is also a threat 
Well, and the thing too, and then we can have a completely different podcast conversation about this too. Oh, you'll be back. When it comes to that rising threat and it comes to those issues, you know, I have watched people that I love and then I am close to over the last two and a half years of like COVID, especially. Yeah. yeah. Watching people become radicalized mm-hmm. in, in certain things and around certain conversations because of social media. Like, I don't think, I mean, social media, when you decide, okay, well, this is the like brand of social media that I want to listen to, then that's all you get. And you turn into this, you listen to nothing, but things that agree with your particular political perspective. And when you become radicalized, whether it's QAnon or whether it's whatever, but like, even with this world economic, I will say things on Twitter and see people's responses and be like do we even live in the same universe like what are you even saying to me yeah so mean but they they legitimately believe this and this is someone's father grandfather or whatever and we've lost an ability to have a conversation to bring people back to like a more normal like how do you talk to someone who thinks trudeau is like a, a traitor who needs to be put in jail like i don't know how you have a conversation with someone like that who believes that like the 5g network is going to set off some like i don't know chip that we all have oh yeah i remember hearing those i remember hearing that like out in the wild and i was just like what the fuck and at the same time i'm just like you know when it comes to i will say this all i know is that i've met, met some pretty shitty progressive people and um I have been made to feel less than I was at um, I think it was the Council on Race Relations or something like that. And I was on a panel and the person moderating it, who's a big ass progressive, by the way, she introduced me as a blogger. What? Yeah, she had my bio. She hounded me for my bio, but she called that that shit was on purpose. And this was a white woman, a white woman progressive who I'm supposed to have, like, politically speaking, uh, more to do with than you. Right. Frank, we're the worst white ladies. You, you know, I'm just saying, like, politically no, speaking. Yeah, no, because it's like due to a feminism feminist in their bio. Yeah, They're no, always the fucking worst. They are. Because if you have to say it, you aren't about it. Yeah. Right. That's like a universal truth. Well, and. But is it so many of these conspiracy theories on the right are actually linked to things that have actually happened? This is the problem is that you can tell someone like, no, absolutely. The COVID vaccine, it's not just so everyone knows I don't believe this. Like the COVID mm-hmm. vaccine is clearly a government conspiracy, but there have been government conspiracies where they've tested on people and done terrible things yes. to people. Yes. It's happened. Mm-hmm. You know, you you only have to look at some of the experiments done on, on African-American men in the United States in the 1950s to mm-hmm. know that happens. So and this, Puerto Rican women for the pill. So this is the issue is that so much of this conspiracy theory touches like the littlest bit of truth. And when it comes to right wing people, they see that littlest bit of truth and they tie to it and they connect to it. And on the left, it's that they think that they are above but and I will say this as someone who's like I'm fairly I think I'm pretty progressive on most things I don't want to say that because that would mean I'm an asshole pretty much but like 
you think you're progressive enough that you cannot see the impacts of your own behavior a lot of the time. Oh, Aaron and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I actually don't pigeon myself, I'll pigeonhole myself either way. I just know that because I, I just know that I believe what I believe. Right. Yeah. And wherever that fits, whatever policy hits that fine. Um, but you know, I feel like this conversation has been exactly what I wanted and needed to put out there because um, we really, first of all, everybody should pay attention to Alberta politics. They're wild, but it really is where the political, um, the political process is really grassroots as we were talking about. And I still think that's really, really important. Politics will always be a connection type thing. It will always be, it's always a people's game. It's less policy and more people. If you could connect with people, you're killing it. Yeah, well, and I think too, like to link this in for your listeners and who knows what's gonna, because if this won't air for two weeks and we'll see what happens in Ontario in two weeks, I guess, after the election. But I think the progressives need to ask themselves why Doug Ford is getting so many union uh I've asked that on on Twitter yeah and and you need to look at that and you need to ask yourself too if for progressives like okay well why did Bernie Sanders supporters in 2016 choose to vote for Donald Trump instead of Hillary Clinton there is a reason for these things and it is because a lot of folks on the left on the working class they do not feel heard or seen and i don't think Trudeau makes those people feel seen no either. no 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 and we were talking about that on that twitter space right it's like it's like um i agree i completely agree people don't feel seen you know what i think i think people know that there's fun- something fundamentally broken and fundamentally wrong and they know that the democratic process isn't working for them Right. It's just that they don't exactly know why. So when you provide the answers as to why and the answers don't have to be true, they just have to make enough sense. Right. And that's what the right did. And they organized the fuck out of that while progressives were out there sleeping and 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 cozying up to like institutions and shit. Yeah, well, because when you, I remember watching um, a documentary, God, like 15 years ago, I still own it on DVD, because I know, Um, and it's about Walmart, and it was about what happens to small rural communities when a Walmart comes into that community. I've seen that. Yes, and the way it kills that community, and the way Mm. that, you know, and then it talks at the end about a community that actually had come, come together to get rid of the Walmart in their community. And like, there's even like a great South Park episode about like Walmart coming into South Park and the way that they fight it. But that is fundamentally where the institutional right and the institutional left, because I say that word specifically because institutional right does not refer to people like Donald Trump, Mm-mm. but, and, and or Polyev actually. Mm-hmm. So this is, element of cozying up to corporations and businesses like the UCP did here they were like oh yeah yeah Walmart yeah Amazon come be here that's great not realizing that the very people who vote who are more likely to vote conservative are the people that get fucked over by the policies by Amazon and Walmart and their communities get destroyed by these these organizations 
they've been left behind by every major party. Yes, they have. Even the, even the NDP federally, like yes, yes, like yes, it it is it is mind blowing to me that after the last two and a half years, what we have put, you know, what, what we're deemed like, you know, needed workers through, and there's no champion for them anywhere. Like every single organization, like Amazon, should be unionized across this country. It shouldn't even be a question. They should, it should be federally mandated to unionize these organizations so that people who work as, as, you know, again, like necessary workers in save on foods can take a sick day without having to worry about paying for their bills the next day. That should, I don't understand why that's even a question in this country at this point. Exactly. If this country is so great, why is that a question? I guess, but. What's that? That's probably my least conservative comment, but. Yeah, it totally is protected yeah i agree um you know at the end of the day the improv in the power imbalance that we're seeing now between institutions big business that area and the average person people know they feel it they know it they know that's not how it's supposed to be i'm saying that neoliberalism that same liberal shit that is slung to us every day is what killed our communities. It yes. killed our communities. It killed our organizing. And yes. now it's fucking killing democracy. Yep. Because if that neoliberalism that and these are all like all parties bought into this, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, it's the conservatives. No, the liberals were there and the NDP were too. Because yes. there's a reason the NDP, how the fuck did they lose climate change? They and they've lost in this conversation on climate change because they have been unable to to really connect to the workers impacted by it. Yes. And instead they're going they're siding with LNG. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, yeah. BC NDPs are a whole other. Oh, 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 hey, do you know about BC NDPs? Oh, of course I do. Um, But the thing is, is is also like has an NDP leader, and I mean, I'm not specifically referring to any one, but Chuck me sing. If you cannot go to Fort McMurray and talk to an oil field worker who in a lot of, like, if he's like, you know, in a lot of times they don't even have post-secondary degrees, like guys who've worked there for 35, 40 years. For sure. And you can get that guy to understand why you have his back what's wrong with you? What is the point of your party? You are supposed to be about workers' rights and supporting these people and letting this guy know, and I'm saying guy because it is not to be sexist, but it is typically when we're talking about 35, 40 year old veterans of the oil patch, it's typically. Oh, it's dudes. Yeah. From Nova Newfoundland, actually. Yeah. 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 (laughs) A lot of newfies in Alberta. able to have a conversation with him and let him and, and have him understand the need to address climate change and, and deal with that while also making him feel like you give a shit about his ability to put food on the table. Enemy and Paul. That, and that's what the NDP are terrible at. Yes. They don't they don't seem to okay. They they undermine their own um policies and their own marketing and their own like 
like stances on things because they're constantly caught in this 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 like vociferous cycle right of like oh well we want we're progressive but we also want to win votes so we're just gonna do this on this end this on this end and it's like no it is the Aaron O'Toole of it all right pick a fucking lane and then defend that lane that's what I want to see from the NDP Okay, I want to see them pick a lane. And why do you why? Why? And second of all, like not everything is binary. Nothing is binary when it comes to public policy. And therefore, you can explain, hey, these are the considerations of what we're talking about. This is that instead of doing fucking TikTok videos, I've seen fucking TikTok videos that have educated the freak out of me. Right. Where is that? I'm not saying you shouldn't be on TikTok, but at the same time, where are your policies? Where are your stances? Where are your views on this platform? They're nowhere. And the other thing is, it's like, again, it's gimmicky. Community is not a monolith. And we were talking about this before the podcast started. Is that community is not a monolith. First Nations communities are not a monolith. A lot of First Nations communities in Alberta, especially in Northern Alberta, um, benefit from oil and gas. They're not all against pipelines or against development. They are against cumulative impacts on treaty rights and the things that impact their community again and again and again. So they want to have a bigger conversation. Right. A more nuanced conversation. Nuanced conversation. But that just, that is almost impossible in so much of this. And whether it's conservatives or the NDP, it just becomes almost impossible to have those conversations, which need to happen. And again, saying is so busy, like, I don't know, doing little dances on TikTok that he doesn't get into that. And he's not dumb. Like, I no. don't understand why he is chosen. He's getting bad advice. Clearly, because he's chosen the lane of style 1,000% over substance. And I don't think that's to the benefit of anybody. No. And clearly, it's to the benefit of their seat count. So I just think that... It's also not to the benefit of the next person of color as leader. No. Well, no, it's not. And it's not fair that that's how we're judged, but that's how we're judged. Yeah. Well, I mean, By the know, person before us, just like, just like women. Right. And so, you know, you're judged for the last woman. It could have been 20 years ago, but that's how you're judged. Whereas men could just shake it off. Yeah, of course, because dudes are, you know, very independent thinkers. and mm. um, But no, it's true. And I think that whereas Singh has done a lot of positive things for the party in certain ways, like he's not grown the party. He is not. No, he hasn't. Well for them electorally. Um, and it is unfortunate that for whatever reason too, like things are on bill 21. I've never understood why he didn't come out more forcefully against bill 21. I have never understood his, his instincts on certain things, mm-hmm. but it, it's not fair that like, he's going to, no one's going to be like, Oh, let's never elect a white Francophone again. Cause yeah. Out, you know, like, yeah, 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 exactly. 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 All right, Kristen. Um, 
thank you a million percent for um, squeezing me in because I know you're off to France. I am. I'm off. I'm off to Europe and uh... <laughs> with your dad, which is sweet. And I'm going to try, but I will likely fail not to pay attention to politics while I am. While I'm hoping you will fail. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I would fail at that. Totally. Totally. I... fail. You need to come back and talk about Pierre Polyev with us. Oh, yes, please. Yes. Yes. I have a lot of thoughts. on. I know you do. I know you do. And I can only imagine what kind of dumb shit will happen while I'm I know. I know. And you will be up to date. I know you will. I know you will. I know. And I will say one thing. This is my my one comment on that. Just to give a teaser to folks. I am. I'm francophone. I am fluent in English and French. And I find it. Two things. I find it. Um annoying that uh a lot of the leaders couldn't have been bothered to maybe like just try a little harder to learn french for the yeah. french to be- and i still think it's kind of dumb that we're only a bilingual country when indigenous languages are a huge component of, yeah. of, of that's what this country was built on was indigenous mm-hmm. peoples and so like if our governor general can be bilingual soon as she's growing into a trilingual because she speaks indigenous languages in English and she's learning French. You know, I would love to see in 10 years, 15 years that we had an indigenous debate. I don't see why we can't have our leaders speak an indigenous language in Alberta. I think you should have to be able to speak Cree or black to engage because like, that's a huge component of our population. And we just, we are so hypercritical of leaders who can't speak French, but none of our leaders have ever been able to speak an indigenous language. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mark Miller, however, who's one, one liberal. I'm super impressed with Mark Miller. Is uh, I'm so glad you said this because he's on my friggin' radar. Thank you so much for like penciling Congrats. me in. And when you come back, we're going to, we're going to talk about Pierre Polyam. I cannot wait. And I like that you pronounce his name right because some podcast people do not. And it makes me furious. Well, that's because um, I actually paid attention. <laughs> it's amazing. I could say his name, but not like Smith because I'm like, is it Smythe or something? You know, I don't know. Anyway, until next time, have a good time in France and everybody will see you later. Bye. 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 Bye.